button. Okay. goodness yeah i wasn't sure i put the hyphen in i think you got it the hyphen right i've seen it both ways oh goodness great oh turn some lights on there we go <laughs> <laughs> hello everybody hello. let's see bring this in here hi mrs ryan hi How you doing? hello hello later than usual today just getting situated here got all the stuff here we go hi mrs ryan. hi <laughs> hello <laughs> hi everybody welcome back today is thursday june 27th 2019 my name is jay ryan this is nicole ryan we are the ryans and this is it's tonight's show our guest this evening is miss jamie lynn siegler um gosh i guess probably best known for meadow sopranos on the old soprano show but uh so many other things and uh these days i feel like i almost don't even remember that stuff because uh i, I look at her um with everything that you go through today, there are a few people that you check in with on the social media, just sort of following, and she happens to be one of them for reasons we'll get into uh, in just a little bit. But yes. It's good. I know it's a big day for you. It's it's a big day. It's so nice to know other people that have what I deal with and the deal with what I deal with. It's just a weird life. So it's, a neat, it's neat to have someone else that gets it. Yeah. I love that. And it'll be nice to have the conversation with somebody else yeah. for a change. Uh, in the meantime, I only have a couple things to get through today. We've got uh, uh, an East Coast feed that we didn't do yesterday, mm -hmm. and we've got a TBT because today is Thursday. Okay. So what would you like to do first, Mrs. Ryan? East Coast feed. East Coast feed. All right. Hi, you guys. Yes. Here we go. All right. Let's see. Checking in with Steve Kaz, Danbury Chive, and the East Coast feed. Let's see what Brooke and the Kazman are today. Roll it. How? Oh, there it goes. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Ryan. Brooke and the Casman. East Coast Feeds. Oh. And why are we here today? We're in New Milford, Connecticut on a Monday night. Brooke, tell them why we're here. It's my half birthday. <laughs> it's Brooke's half birthday. Now, normally, nobody gives a shit about half birthdays. However, <laughs> when your birthday falls on Christmas Eve, you get screwed out of gifts and everything. And being a good guy that I am, you know, we're going out for dinner. And look, bam, birthday gifts, <laughs> drinks. And we're here on Bank Street, New Milford. We're going to turn it around, Mr. Ryan, because you know the Bank ah. Street Theater and all the cool stuff. And look, we got it's food coming. Oh, it's fantastic. Look at that. There we got everything. Thank you very much. See, look at that. We got food. <laughs> look how fantastic this food looks. Short ribs. We got plantains. Right, babe? Do you guys want a fiance? I have one. Just in case. Just in case. Oh, look at the second drink for me. Love you guys. <laughs> Like man, <laughs> I didn't know exactly <laughs> what happened there. That was awesome. Um, all right, well, that was cute and everything. I will say, Bank Street. Uh, they were in uh, New Milford, I believe. Oh, I believe, and uh, um, whatever. It's where they film Mr. Deeds. You remember Mr. That Deeds, Adam the Adam Sandler, Sandler movie? movie? Yeah, yeah. It was where the pizza place <laughs> was on the whole main street. It was supposed to be uh, like New Hampshire or something, but right. you know, did it all in Connecticut. Well, Tough. happy He's, half birthday to that one. He shot a few movies there. Yes, happy half birthday to. Brooke, I thought that was silly, but a Christmas Eve birthday is, you totally get roped out there. You get so, hosed a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, so I understand it fully. I mean, yours always just being the same month is kind of, and you're, and you're in the beginning of December. Yeah, still. it's a kickoff for the season. <laughs> it's a kickoff <laughs> for the season. Uh, okay, 
Let us check in now. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. And as we do every Thursday, we open up the old TBT. So let us do that now. I don't remember where we are tonight, but uh, I'm sure it'll say. Roll it, Hal. Mrs. Ryan. That was such a fun time. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones, and it was, uh, I th- it wasn't like one weekend, it was like a week and a half or something that we just did lately, I think we called it. Yeah. <laughs> just so every memory came back. smiling faces, yeah, and the music. Nicholas Hunziker doing donuts out there. That was hilarious, <laughs> and Heather, who's never on camera, we caught her. <laughs> it's um, the greatest. 
It was, and that picture was Dwart. I just love. Oh, I do too. It's one of my favorites. And about a million pictures of you out at stuff in public, smiling and having a good time. And that, to me, just it makes my smile even bigger every time. You're very infectious. Your smile is very infectious. Thanks, Mister. With that, Mrs. Ryan, it's time to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. Dun 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 dun. What's going on, Mrs. Ryan? Dun 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 dun. There's a castle in Central Park called Belvedere Castle. Sure. I've not been there, and it was closed last year, but they're reopening it officially. It was closed for refurbishments, wasn't it? Yes. Like they're fixing it up. Yeah, and they're bringing it back. They're relaunching it next, this month, tomorrow probably. Um, <laughs> June 20th. Oh, but yeah. But it'll be around soon, this upcoming. And... Um, it's been around since 1836. I don't know why I didn't know about it, but mm. it was like it's been a lookout and a weather place and a visitor center. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything. visitor center now. I think that's what it is, right? It's the last thing I knew it was, like, from the 80s on. Yeah, when I was a kid. I think there were field trips and stuff when I was a kid. Yeah? Yeah. Not to that place, but to, you know, to Central Park. And it was like, oh, here, there's the Havern on the Green over there. There's the, the baseball fields. There's this, that. Yeah, I didn't have those field trips. We were up near Canada. I think we went you to were Toronto. Little, little too far. <laughs> Take ice skating trips to Canada. Yeah, we liked that. Um, okay, there's a goldfish, speaking of where I'm from. There was, okay, really, this is a love letter to Finding Nemo. Oh, God, you know I love that movie. It, same. It was released in like 03, and apparently there was a big surge of kids flushing their live goldfish down the toilet. <laughs> Oh, because all drains lead to the ocean. Yeah. Sure, it makes perfect sense. And that is... Freeing Nemo. Right. And so a lot of people tried to do that. So I will just reiterate what they said then, which is don't really do that. So parents that have kids, don't let them flush live animals down the toilet. (laughs) But the good thing to come out of it, if you want to see it that way, is there's tons of goldfish in the Great Lakes. (laughs) There's so many. There's like literally millions Okay. Which I did not know, and they found a what a fourteen inch goldfish near th- Niagara Falls. Literally, what I was going to say. What, what, what the little I know of goldfish, what I recall is that they grow to be as big as the or co- their container, whatever it is. So you get a little bowl, they get to be X amount, big, you know, and so on and so forth. The Great Lakes are much larger. They're huge, and it just read like Simpsons, like big fish that look all sorts of different ways and <laughs> this fish was but they found like a 14 pound one one time in tahoe like listen goldfish are not just what you find get at fairs anymore apparently all right look around but don't flush <laughs> them down the toilet <laughs> oh my goodness okay um illinois became the latest state to legalize marijuana i read that yesterday yeah and the, what i like about this because i'm not just a pot person but like they're you're not a pot person at all. I never knew you to smoke until you got uh, sick with a, a diagnosed with MS and everything. And even then, it was years afterwards. It was a lot of like convincing into medicinal stuff. Yeah, yeah I no, was not, not into it. Um, but I love that they're legalizing it mm-hmm. um, so broadly. And Illinois is one of the first states. That they're tenth and plus DC, which is the district. But sure. whatever. Um, they're actually including reparations in their in their bill. Which is, is such a good buoy for people to latch on to. Like, it's, they're going to wipe out 800,000 convictions of minor, minor crimes for the state, which is a huge deal. Sure. 
So I I hope that everyone takes notice they seem to be and follows suit because that's the only name of the game. Legalizing marijuana, like, fine. But, like, actively using the money to, like, help fix infrastructures and places that aren't, like, low-income housing and stuff. It sounds amazing. Awesome. Yeah, if, if it actually happens that way, that would yeah. be absolutely terrific. Keep, the, keep your fingers crossed. Will do. Um, do lastly, though. Mm. Seinfeld's going to be 30 this year. It, air, it started oh, airing 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. my gosh, 89. That's right. They did that little small season. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I didn't realize it had been <laughs> that long. And in New York, in Gramercy, the Gramercy area, they're going to have a Seinfeld experience area, like an apartment that's interactive. Oh, you, you get can... to go to the apartment? Oh, that's fun. It's, it, they had that a couple of years ago when Hulu bought uh, yeah. bought Seinfeld. They recreated the apartment in New York, and people could go see it. They did a bunch of different pop-up locations. Apparently, this uh, one's going to be more formidable and not necessarily permanent, but it's going to be there for a while. And a it's real an exhibit. Yeah. They did Kinda something like, with Saturday Night Live a couple of years ago for yeah. their 40th anniversary. It was sort of similar. Very yeah. interactive. So it, it sounds neat. Like, if you don't drink and want to go out in New York, like, that's the way to do it. <laughs> and super rad. You can, like, learn about the show and the characters and your favorite parts of the show. We were somewhere the other day, and somebody said, did you see all of the episodes of something or other? And I was like, I, I literally used Seinfeld as the reference. I was like, I don't know, probably. I'm sure I probably have. I don't know for a fact, but I, just like Seinfeld, I don't, I've never watched all of them through, but I'm certain over the years I've seen them all probably yeah. a dozen times each, right? Yeah, I would imagine. I feel that way about Friends, too. There's just Part of our a, culture. Part of the culture. So yeah. go take a look. Yeah, totally. Oh, and that's been every time gets me. And that's been what's going on. Good job, Mrs. Ryan. How do you feel? Thank you. How do you feel after that? Great. Yeah, yeah. You should. You should be proud of yourself. I'm glad you're smiling. Sometimes Mrs. Ryan beats herself up after the news. Oh, stupid. Oh, stupid. Shouldn't have said that. Yeah. This is great. You're awesome. Thanks. You're uh, awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick break. In a few minutes, Jamie Lynn Siegler will be sitting in that chair right there. Maybe again, right? She was actually on Letterman at I one asked. Point. Uh, the cast did uh, re- Letterman stuff, but I don't believe she's actually oh, been okay. in the chair. Well, she's going to be here in a few minutes. Yeah, so it's going to be More awesome. to come right after this. See you in a few. pressure off a little bit. Perfect. I love less pressure. (laughs) (laughs) And now that you're taking a sip, we are back! (laughs) Sitting here with Jamie Lynn Siegler. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Jamie Lynn. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Do you prefer Jamie Lynn? I actually prefer prefer Jamie because, you know, I started acting when I was a kid, so my mom decided a lot of things for me, and so she decided... Jamie Lynn Sigler was my, a beautiful name that she gave me, and that should be my <laughs> professional name, which it is a lovely name, but it just feels so formal. And I, anyone that Any I meet, three, time, I, three names, it always kind yeah, of is, right? Yeah, yeah. So I prefer Jamie. Thank you for asking. Sure. But I'll answer it at both. <laughs> I don't imagine it'll come up again. <laughs> great, great. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank uh, you. We very much appreciate having you for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. Forget the fact that you are a celebrity, somebody who should be on a talk show. You're kind of big in our world, in our little world, um, in our little bubble for a lot of reasons that I went over before. So it really means extra. Oh. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Um <laughs> Gosh, where do we start with you? Did you grow up in New York? Did on you Long s- Island. You did. Yes. Right. Connecticut kid right across Okay. The- yeah, we're kind of like step 
Steps. siblings, right? Steps, yeah. Like Jersey, Connecticut, I think, Long yeah. Island. I can't speak for you guys. I would say the Connecticut kids for sure um, were open to the Long Island kids, and it seemed like the Long Island kids were kind of like, oh, the Connecticut kids, right, right. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Sailing. Yeah, enjoy your tennis, oh. right. Well, you they, they were just probably intimidated or felt like you were fancier, that's all. That's, that's, so that's where it was, that was the root of the pain. Where on Long Island are you from? I'm from a town called Jericho. Uh, I know Near Syosset. I, I know yeah, it. I was just it's like to North think. Shore, kind of in the middle. It's exit 42. Off the LIE. Which usually helps people understand when you give it's them an, an exit Coast. on the LA. Yeah. Totally. For Long Island and Jersey, it's both the same thing. Yeah. What city you? Yeah, exactly. Um, did you always know acting? I, I don't know where to jump in, so I'm sure, just sure. Let's do it. I mean, I out. did like the. Did you know that that's what you wanted to do? Though? Yes, at a young age. So I joined, you know, like little ballet class that you put all the little girls in. And I did that with my friends. And then when I was around eight years old, I joined like a musical theater class in the school. Okay. And they were having auditions for the like a mini production of Annie. And we had to say what we wanted to audition for. And I said the dog, Sandy, <laughs> because I loved dogs. And it was like still this like really upsetting thing that my parents would not get me a dog so I thought playing a dog would fulfill that whole like fill that hole for me um and they cast me as Annie which was shocking and they started telling my mom you know did you Jamie, know the story already or the movie just, yeah oh yeah, yeah obsessed okay, me, too. me too uh so then you know people were like you know Jamie can sing a little bit maybe you should get her some singing lessons and I thought that was cool to try and then I auditioned for a production of, actually, no, before that, I saw it. Then out of nowhere, I got a, an audition through my singing teacher for Les Miserables on Broadway. Whoa, I was eight wow. years old. What, what year I had that? braces. It was, I was, was eight, so 89. On. So it was like when it was like out. Phantom and Les Mis were the biggest. The biggest. It was yeah. the biggest. Period. So... I remember my mom drove me to the city, which we never went to New York City that often. So this was like so cool. And I remember being in like the waiting room and all these girls had their eight by 10 black and white photos and their resumes. And I remember looking at my mom being like, I have to bring a picture. So like she went through our wallet and like gave me my school picture. And that's what I brought in. Like this is like how green, that was my headshot. (laughs) And I ended up getting like four callbacks and which was became then the story of my life when it came to Broadway auditions was, you know, they would make you stand against a wall and a piece of tape to see how tall you were because the shorter you were, the longer you could last in the show because as a kid, as a kid, because you obviously grow when you're little. Mm. Uh, So I was too tall. Mm. Uh, But then that really caught the bug for me. And so I auditioned for a, production of sound of music on long island and that was it like i got it and i worked on that theater even through sopranos like i'd have hiatuses and go back and do musicals there no because kidding. i loved it so much and still to the same like a summer stock type of little no it was or... all all year round it was a community theater I loved it. so i mean i did annie i did fiddler i did every show that had a kid i was in that's it that's neat so fun and it was it was great because i was in public school with my friends but like getting to really feel this thing out and then 
as things went on, I did a national tour when I was 13, and then I got Sopranos when I was 16. So at a very young age, yes, to answer your question with that long-winded answer, (laughs) I always knew I wanted to be an actress. I'm so sorry that I just went so deep down that hole. I thought that was wonderful. If anything, it gave me more pockets to poke around (laughs) in. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, I grew up in the same area and grew up with community theater as well, so I don't know if that's just how it was back then maybe, but uh, it was very important to me, and it really... Well, hello. I mean, we're yeah. sitting in the black box theater now because of it. And also, too, like, I, I was recently thinking back, like, a lot of the people that I was performing with were so talented, and they just had their day jobs and, like, still really loved to perform, and it never, you know... It wasn't their thing. It, maybe it didn't seem like they could actually be a career for them one day, but, but I was on good. Broadway, and these people were really good in right. community theater. So the fact that people can get a really like almost Broadway type experience like as far as how talented these people are in these shows for a whole lot less money that's why community theater exists and I'm a big fan support your local community theater yes (laughs) please I love that PSA Um, all right, well then, so local community theater, and then you got Sopranos at the same time? 16 When I was 16, oh yeah, yeah. You're in high school. I was in high school. Regular public high school? Mm-hmm, and I finished that school through filming Sopranos too, yeah. How did you pull that? Just well, I filmed in New York. Out? Yeah, I mean, they, they, I had a tutor on set, so set the days teacher. I would miss, I would have a set teacher, and because I was under 18, I only worked 10 hours, so the hours weren't crazy. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I'm... I was able to kind of bounce back and forth, which I'm so grateful for. And I always was able to do that, which I think made a big difference. I was just going to ask, are you, have you always been kind of an, I don't want to say overachiever because I don't know you that well, but have you always been a good student and always sort of perfectionist more? I think, I mean, I think that I got by a lot because things came easy to me. I also had a photographic memory so I could memorize stuff for tests Uh and then, you know, so nothing, school wasn't hard. I wouldn't say that I like worked super hard at it. I think it just came a little easier. Sure. So I was lucky. Aptitude. Yeah. 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 But I worked nice. very hard at like performing, but that was fun. It didn't seem like work. It was like I love I would would rehearse for 18 hours if they let me. Right. It paid off. Well, you I enjoyed guess. it. I'm trying to think. Boy, that's so similar. That's so similar. All right, so you get the Sopranos. Um from my recollection, st- I was still living in on the East Coast at that time. Not only did the, I mean, obviously everyone knows the show is iconic, but um, it was big out of the gate. I mean, it was a, it was Kinda. not what it was today, but it was everyone in my, well, I guess maybe perhaps it was my little circle. I had two best friends growing up. One was Roman Caggiano. Oh, okay. And the Casman. <laughs> Great. Both very heavily Italian yes. families. Yes. Uh, so perhaps it was just my little circle. Our demographic. Anyway, yeah. Holy crap. My whole circle loved it. They exploded with it. They're like, it's so much better than the movie because they were all associating it with the analyze God. this. Right. Which is completely. <laughs> right. <laughs> it couldn't have been more different. No, no, not at all. Um, so but, you know, in the very beginning, they I remember hearing people at HBO wondering how they would exactly market it because they were like, is this a black comedy? Right. Because there is a ton of humor. That's absolutely. I mean, obviously it's it could be dark, dark and humor. gruesome. Yes, but it's so smart. But it's real yeah. life. They're also, every character in that is fun in yes, their own way. Yes, exactly. And that's what can be funny. Yeah. yeah. Is that David Chase's writing then? Is he just that complex where you can kind of I think so. Because he's so intelligent. Yes. And I think that it, it truly, I think it screwed me over for a little while when the show ended because 
when I started auditioning and doing other things, I was like, oh, wait. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) I have to figure more things out when it comes to acting because that felt so easy all those years because it was just so fleshed out and it was just all there for you. There was just very little you had to do, to be honest, it felt like. All right, well, I guess the actual question there was then, <laughs> how was that when it comes out of the gate? You're not known previously. You've done no. a lot of things, but you're not like publicly known. No. Right? You know, it was it was slow build. I was a senior in high school when it started airing, and so it was very cool to have my friends come over every Sunday night and watch because they were the friends that were coming to see me in productions at the Y. You and had viewing parties? Well, yeah, because it was just like so cool that like, Jamie actually did something with this hobby, you know, and she's on TV. And of course, like a lot of my friends thought it was cool because it was about the mafia and it was cursing <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, but it that's wasn't, true. it also too, like it was nowhere near what things are like today. Like I try and think a lot of what it would have been like if there was like the internet existed the way it did, social media. Like I'm so grateful that it came out when it did because even when the show was at its peak and we had some awareness of just how important it was to people and how much they loved it, the only time it, you were really felt that was when you, we would come to L.A. for the award shows. Other oh. than that, it was like we worked in Silver Cup Studios under the 59th Street Bridge yeah, with like company. tons of like pee bottles being thrown out of the taxis and like it's just bridge. like gross and like <laughs> the same studio and like so nothing felt special right. or any different we knew we were part of something wonderful and I'm, it was so nice and also too it was it was a cast that was close in the sense of like respect love support but it was everyone's job and everyone went home after mm. and had their own lives it wasn't like incestual it wasn't you know sticky or like it didn't bleed out after any any uh, after the after hours right. you know what i mean right, which was right. kind of nice yes that must have been awesome you doesn't sound like you were needled and like, no uh, so uh, to let everyone kind of grow that organically is yes it's such a cool experience totally 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 huh. i think and also too even today like it's I, I'm appreciative and I understand what an incredible thing I was a part of, but it was such a personal experience for me that it's really hard for me to fully grasp, I think, you like what I got show. to be a That's part how of. how we looked at it. You know, we're watching, <laughs> totally. I mean, your character, but we watched you, the person, physically grow up on the show. Yes. And I went through so much in my personal life through those 10 years as well that Sopranos, I said to David Chase in the the very last award show, it's a a SAG Awards, uh, we were both at a table and it happened to be kind of like a quiet moment and he's the type of guy, he's a quiet guy and he's not, I say this with all the love in the world, like not warm where like you feel like you could like run up and give him a hug and talk to him but I remember just taking the opportunity and saying thank you because obviously professionally what this has done for all of us there's goes without saying but personally no words, like yeah. what this show did for me it was like kind of my safe place through a lot of ups and downs meant everything it was wow. like other than my family like the one consistent thing i always had having a constant having that second family kind of yeah wow yeah did he appreciate that i mean did he, he did he, did he, get he the did. That he you were trying did. To impart? he definitely did he teared up and yeah so Aww. i was glad that i took that chance to say that for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, growing up on television. I mean, I used to work on the TV show uh, Everybody Hates Chris and we had all kids. Yeah. Chris Rock as a kid yeah. and his friends and everything. Um and just, you know, seeing those kids now 
all grown up is is it's probably weird. bizarre, want, huh? Yeah, it really is. It really is. We had one of them on the show here at one point, and it was just like he was like my little brother when we were doing the show. And we yeah, were outside of work and everything, and uh, and yeah, it's just odd to me. So I guess the the familial aspect of it, you guys were actually a family. I mean, playing a family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I wasn't going to tell you this, but this is interesting just for the sake of how we did it. Mrs. Ryan hadn't seen The Sopranos in first run, so she had always w- was working in the business already. Yeah. And it was a few years ago when we finally, three, four years ago, five years ago. I don't want to say the thing because it'll give it away, the timeline. <clears throat> we were working our way through it for the first time. Oh, we were, had just gotten married, too, so that's, that'll be help. Uh, finally working our way through, got to season six. I mean, we're doing like three, four episodes a night. I wow. Mean, this is commitment oh, yeah. yeah. so hardcore into you it. You can't stop watching it. Right. And I'd never seen it. So it was just like brand It was all there for you, too. to take in. It was so good. So we get to season six, and we're about two episodes away from the finale. And for whatever reason, we were doing work or whatever in the middle of the day. And she, of course, checks her news feed. And James Gandolfini had just mm. died that day. Which yeah. was just a couple of days ago. Like the anniversary of all wow. of the above, yeah. yeah, all of the above, and it was one of those where uh, I mean, mm. I think the whole world felt it. Certain yeah. people who knew him and worked with him, the whole world felt it. It felt so personal to us at that moment oh, because we yeah. were experiencing it away from everybody else. Yeah, we weren't watching yeah. it with the pack. We were. This was our own little personal thing. Yeah, and for whatever reason, it just really cut us both. <clears throat> we went to Hawaii like two weeks later or something like that. Whatever it was, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Watching it in Hawaii was surreal, but like but that's seeing where we finished that it. We James finished it there passed away, it like it's like it a nice way to celebrate the end of it. We had to yeah. put it away for a little bit because it totally. was like we were no, in. No, I get it. And I know it's heavy. How, you know, whatever. I yeah. had seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's heavy, but I can't imagine living through it. So you have that. I mean, I you know you I haven't watched it really? other than the first two episodes and the very last one, and maybe a couple in between. Like I saw the whole first season, I saw, but other than that. I don't like watching myself, mm. um, but I think enough time has passed that I can. My, and my husband's never seen it, so it's on our oh. queue. Yeah, you we're, know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna get kid. there. You know, there's no judgment anymore. Like, I was right? A kid. <laughs> um, the reason I was getting all of that out though was to uh, come back to something you said earlier about um, the social media element and all of the constant mm. and everything. I can't even imagine if the Sopranos finale happened today. Yeah, no. With the, oh, the, the spoilers and people j- getting and just the instant, out? the instant way that people handle things and and whatever on the internet. Yeah. I mean, holy crap! It was, it was. Um, I'm going to say the response was binary back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it or hate it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I can't even imagine now. Yes. Um, how do you deal with the social media? You're mm-hmm. on the social media in general. Is that part of your life? Do you use it a lot? Or yeah, I mean, I try to. F- for work. You know what I mean? I I love to see I love social media in the sense of I like I love to see my friends' feeds. I love to see what people are doing. I love certain things that inspire me. Um but you know, there's for me in the way I use it, um I really kind of have like a I don't care attitude because <laughs> I I can't value like myself off of how many followers I have, right. and I just see like the downward spiral. The people that I'm close with go, like have gone down with that, and but how I are just you able feel. To see, I'm sorry to cut you off. How are you able to see through it? Do you? Or do you? Just... I don't know. I just feel like 
maybe it's because I've just been in this business for a long enough time and have beat myself up enough times where I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. I also have two kids and like I have a lot of like other important stuff that I've got to worry about and you're deal busy. with. Yep. You're experienced, you're busy. I'm trying to show other people that this thing, it doesn't really it matter. It doesn't There's matter. nothing concrete about social media. It's a fake <laughs> flick, bonus bullshit. You know what? I think I went through that just in the business in general um, of just feeling like my self-worth came from like getting jobs or like how much work I was getting. What other people tell you your worth is basically. Yes. And I think that after I had my kids and I just realized like I'm enough at the end of the day, no matter what, that's kind of what I want to look to because like I said, I have, I've gone down the deep dark holes of it all with, with everything. And I just, can't do that anymore right. I just choose not to so I think I've learned the hard way but that's kind of where I'm at with it and like I said I enjoy it for what it is and it's it's fun to put things out there and have people respond and enjoy it but if they don't I'm not right. sweating it oh well yeah, yeah. I think it's very healthy very healthy we're struggling with it because we've never been in front of the camera people this yeah. is all new for yeah. us and even at this level you know climbing our way through it just it's 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 new it's uncomfortable yeah and you get down on yourself pretty easily when something happens and it's one of those we're only now learning how we kind of just adjust. like remember why you started it and i feel like that's what you just have to keep remembering and if you're enjoying it then who cares like stay how many yeah just stay in it i even had that with acting where i kind of i kind of stepped away from a li- from it for a little while because of my kids and because of my MS and I just didn't know like where I would fit in anymore almost to the point where I literally declared I'm quitting mm-hmm. and I had enough people surprisingly like I thought my managers and agents were going to be like we get it <laughs> but the fact that they were like no like made me realize that I never had had that conversation of whether they believed in me or not Wow! and I was like oh really and I, I took a couple of weeks and just the I felt like if they feel like they're not wasting my time, maybe I'll continue. But what I've done in the past only couple of weeks was I've joined two different acting classes because I needed to know, like, do I still love this or not? And do I still, can I still do it? So this is, you're going through this right now. Right now. And now, like, I'm so excited to go to my class twice a week because even if I don't work, work right now, like, I still get to act twice a week. And I just, that's why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it for anything else. I'm doing it because like so you it found literally you is it. what like makes my body like ring in the right way. Like it makes me vibrate in the yes. right way. And so um, What's maybe your I'm just remembering why. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's good totally. to know. I guess. And I was totally okay with it not being like if that right. was just the chapter and then moving on. Okay. Like I don't, I'm not connected to the fame and all of that at all. Do you think that's probably part of why it'll work out? I hope that's, that's the your, story. You know what I'm saying? You're I not hope doing it ends it up that way. Reasons. No, not at all. Not at all. Because I have two little kids that like really need me and as exhausting as they are and as much as like there's moments where I'm like, I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I don't like this. This is too much. I don't like you today. Like it is a place I'm needed and 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 it's that's also an important job. So in the interim, I still am 
busy, even though sometimes at the end of a week I feel completely depleted, but that I actually accomplished nothing except Uh, that I kept my kids alive. (laughs) Like that's that's a big accomplishment. Yes, but I mean productive i guess you kept you alive and them and your husband's still there like life is fine for that week true true we could check those we do a tremendous amount of car stuff on this show um did you say that one of your kids is totally into cars oh my god my baby jack he's really? a year and a half and my older one could have cared less about any cars he was all sports my husband at the time was a professional baseball player when he was little so he grew up at the baseball field so he had a bat in his hand and he's he plays ice hockey and baseball oh. and he's five Holy he's crap. and he's gifted i mean it's in his blood i mean my husband played professional baseball my father-in-law was a professional baseball player yeah, i found that out this morning i don't i don't know anything about sports ball yeah so like but i remember the name lenny sports dykstra ball. just from growing up from in, yeah in especially the east coast, east coast he was for a sure he was a met mm-hmm. and a philly yeah so it's in his blood so he's a naturally gifted athlete but the baby like i don't know we had maybe one car because i had all the old toys from my from the big one yeah and he was just like gah gah and it's airplanes and so it's literally planes trains and automobiles like that's his jam and it's the cutest it's great and it's also easy there's you can always like pack a car in the diaper bag and stuff like that with the other one i have to bring the bat and the ball and the gloves (laughs) and you need space the baby can do a car anyway Well, that's oh pretty funny. Gosh. Yeah. I hope they stick with it. I mean, cars are kind of almost, it's becoming less important in the world by the time they grow up. I well, mean, yeah. People are going to be driving? I don't know. Oh, probably not, right? That's crazy. Who knows? It's weird, right? It feels uncomfortable. That's not, I'm uncomfortable with that. <laughs> Do you drive? You drive? Yeah. I, I, forgive me for asking that. That's okay. She doesn't drive, and then the fact <laughs> some celebrities don't drive. Mm, I love Norm McDonald doesn't I, drive. He's never had a, a license or a car. Just... Never just, needed to. Yeah, just was, not it, was he in the city for a long time? Was yeah. that why? Yeah. Not interested. My grandmother is ninety-eight years old and has never driven. Cause she went. She came from Cuba and then lived in Manhattan, and it just was all subways. Yeah, you don't need it. to. No. Yeah. Wow. Um, can we shift gears and talk about MS? A little Let's bit? do it. Um, you already know about us, and we already know about you. But what I didn't know about you again till today was that you were diagnosed when you were twenty. Yeah. So you're on the Sopranos at that time. Yes. And nobody knew, right? That wasn't Mm-mm. public for a long time, which is very common. Mm-hmm. Um, the model we typically look at is Terry Gar, just because of the whole David Letterman connection. Oh. All of the famous uh, appearances that she had on Letterman in the 80s and 90s, she had MS during all of that. Wow. And it was one of those, like, if you go back and look, you say, oh, well, gosh, she needed some help getting over to the chair or yeah. whatever. It's like it's all totally there. What was your experience at 20 years old dealing with this? Well, How did you, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about all of it. I'm curious yeah. about what your symptoms were. I'm sure. curious about, you know, wh- what you went to do. So when I was 19, um, I like had this numbness tingling in my feet. And then every day the sensation was rising and rising and rising. And by the time it got to my hips, I was like, I feel like I need to go check this Something's out. Something's not right. <laughs> yeah. So I, my dad took me to the ER and during the process of them checking me out, like it felt like I was paralyzed. Like it just like my legs were so heavy. heavy I couldn't yes. really move them. And for about 11 days, I was in ICU. They were trying to figure out what was wrong. They ruled out MS at the time. Um, but I mean, spinal taps, MRIs, CAT scans. I had David Chase coming to the hospital being like, what's going on? I mean, like people were freaking out. And I remember even the doctor saying, if we don't figure this out, I mean, we have to think about if she's going to walk again. And I remember sitting there being like, no, right. this is wrong. I'm going to walk. This is ridiculous. Yeah. 
and one doctor on the case had said, like, let's test her for Lyme's disease. Sure. Um, so it came back somewhat positive enough that they gave me antibiotics and steroids, which now in hindsight, I realized the steroids is what yes. did it. So the sensation immediately came back and I started and, and everything was fine. But the Lyme disease would be a, that's a good guess for where we grew up. There was yes. tons of high grass, totally. tons of that stuff. Totally. And we always outside. And then about a year and a half after that, so when I'm 20, um, I started to get the same feeling and it was tingles again. Mm-hmm. And, you, mm-hmm. and I was also at a time where I was being pulled in a million directions. I was really overworked. I was un- really stressed out and unhappy. And that's when it shows its face, by the way. <laughs> it loves to, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> loves to be like, oh, things are shitty. Well, yeah. here's another one you can't for you. One more thing, right? right. Now. Let me give you this little doozy. Sorry, am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, it's your reputation. So I went. <laughs> I'll take it. Clearly, I don't care. So they, I went again to the ER, and I thought it was just being dramatic, and maybe they were going to give me antibiotics or steroids again, and I'd go home. And then the next thing I know, a neurologist coming into the room telling me that I have MS. Why were they so sure this time? What did they do differently? From the MRI, there were now lesions. I could see the lesions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, brain, so brain the had changed. Yes. Okay. Is this a brain or spine? Or spine. Okay. There, uh, I think I maybe have one in my brain. Okay. That's it. Do you um, still? Only one? Or is there uh, Sometimes it's like, looks like it's not there anymore. Yeah. But um, it's mostly here. Mostly there. Yeah, mine yep, too. Cervical and thoracic. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we're similar. I'll get into more of my MS, but I feel like we probably have similar issues. I think so too. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you both stand the same way, and I'm not. That's not facetious. I mean, you have to sort of. I don't, your leans are similar. Yeah. Yeah. Walking up here, I noticed it like that. It's just little things that you notice. It's like that when that woman came up one time with a limp and was like talking to us for a few minutes and I was like you have MS and I knew I just know yeah yeah it's not it's no judgment it's no. just people hold themselves differently when they're in chronic pain yep. and I can tell You're holding yourself together almost yeah at the same totally time. that's all totally um so when I was when they diagnosed me then I very fortunately was was with a doctor at the time that said, look, there's no reason to think that you can't live a completely full, healthy life. You can have kids. You can still be an actress. Like, if you were a dancer, I might tell you, you need to, like, reevaluate some things. But you can do everything you want. And I just took that and, like, ran with it. Absolutely. And... Then I went to the only other doctor that I would go to is like our set doctor who like you literally have a checkup every season and they were like, she's fine. You know, whatever. For every new job, you you have to see like a doctor. Yeah. And I told him and he was just trying to protect me. And he said, I would keep this a secret. Like I wouldn't tell anyone between you and I. And I was just like, okay. When that was in the 90s. Yeah. So it was. It was. Oh, 2001, maybe. Okay, still new-ish publicly. Yes. So yes, I understand what he meant. Yes, yes. And, you know, he didn't know how work would react. Yeah. They're going to not put her in as much. You know what I mean? And I was fine. I, didn't, I wasn't symptomatic at all at the time. Why put a spotlight on it? Yes. It doesn't make sense. And I was raised in a household primarily by my mom that it was like, Tell everyone everything's perfect. It's always perfect. Oh, everything's wow. fine. Yeah, that's and Long Island. And so right? then that was put on me too. Like no one is going to know this. Yeah. No one needs. No one will know this. We can't trust anyone. No one will know this. Inner circle. Mm-hmm. So that was that for a while. And then the treatment they put me on was like a once a week um, injection. It was a really big needle. I felt 
terrible for days after I would take it. Once a week. That was the early one. That was, a, that was before Capaxone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was like they were going to put me maybe on Capaxone or Avanax, which okay. is what they put me okay. on. And I kind of rebelled against it. And I wasn't a good girl about doing it every week. And I, in hindsight, I think back all the time that I don't, I wonder if things would are, would have been the way they are right now if I, I wasn't a better, if I was a better patient. I actually salute you for doing what you believed was right for yourself because that's what she did. And she started to have a little bit of improvement when she stopped listening to everybody else. Mm. Well, she, that's where I'm at a, now. Yes, so I'm really glad that you recognize that and tell her that. But yes, it was a hard journey to figure that she out. She was on the dailies and then went to the three times a week one. And then she was like, what the F am I? Th- this is not, it's, this. My, what are we fighting for if this yeah. is life? And yeah. she was just like, yeah. stop that and let's figure something else I got out. bruises after every shot. Like, it's not comfortable. And it, I thought it would, I don't know why. You thought, I thought it would just it would get be. easier? Yeah. Yeah, And of it course. doesn't. It's no. just, you're in pain all the time. So it's like, I'm in pain all the time now. Like, what's, I don't need to shoot myself up to be in pain. <laughs> it totally. wasn't benefiting me enough to make it worth it. I get it. You never know. I get it. I'm glad I tried it, but I'm, yeah. glad I'm, I'm more glad I'm off of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Trial and error. So, it, so I believe that. If you really I'm glad you believe it. Yes. That. Yes. And it took a long time for me to figure that out. Um, yeah. So then when I was around 23, 24, I went through a pretty gnarly divorce. And that's when the symptoms really started to kind of show oh, so up. so were you married during the whole process of- uh, I got married being- during it. Oh, and wow. then divorced. I was with him for five years, but only married for two years. And uh, I that didn't was. Bring that up. It was no, just, I didn't you realize you were I'm... in a relationship going through all of that mm-hmm, at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I started having like bladder issues. Um, and then the walking, it would be only after a certain amount of time that I would start to get like a foot drop. Right. And then high heels. So would you've got like four good hours me. in your day, and then all of a sudden the fatigue would set in. And, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. mm-hmm. I slinked down. And then my heels. <laughs> like I would. I remember one time being on the red carpet at the Emmys, and it's a long red carpet. And at the end of it, I was doing an interview, and I started clenching my fist. And my publicist, who knew, was with me, Could and see. I looked at her, and and she was like, "Okay, it's done." And she was like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, "I can't stand anymore. Done. I have to take off my shoes." And she, it was like one of those moments where like oh, this is real. Like, this is something I'm going to have to deal with, like, in my life. I can't, I can't ignore this. Was that one of the first times, sorry, I I have those moments and, like, I'm still in denial that that's just what happens. Yeah. Like, was that one of those moments or were you used to it? It sounds like you handled it really well. No, I I was, I lived in denial. I lived in a permanent state of denial because I was, like, I'm 25 years old. Like, I'm dating again. Like, I live in New York City. I'm on a show. Like, why is this? Like, why do I have to deal with this? Like, I just went through a nasty divorce. Like, you know, all of it. It just felt very unfair. Yeah. Yes. Um, So then I went on a different treatment, which was then a once a month IV, which was a whole lot better. Um, and was that obviously, a little grenade that you hold, or was that a like, no? I would go, go to his office okay. and do it. Um, and then I got in a better relationship, and I felt like I was getting a handle on my life a little bit more. But the MS didn't kind of stop. And not to be poetic about it at all, but the very last time I was ever able to run was the very last scene I shot of Sopranos, where Meadow is running across the street to Holston's. That was the very last scene that was shot in general, like the very last bit of film that was ever shot for the show. Two days later, I went to go run to hail a cab. My boyfriend had his hand there, and he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I can't run. 
can't move. It's yeah. so it's weird. It's such, because you can close your eyes and remember exactly what that feels like. Right. Yeah. So I'm like trying to tell my body to follow and it's like literally stalling on me. And so from then, so that's about 26 to 30, I moved to LA and then nobody knew again. And I was going to the doctor appointments all by myself. I was doing everything all by myself. And then at that point too, now I'm like, Desperate. How was that going to new you switching to all new people now that you're in Los Angeles? Yeah. I mean, it was okay. It was still able to kind of hide it, but like, say, like, I would come up with my excuses. I don't like high heels. I have a bad back. Oh, I see. You weren't going to new MS doctors out here or anything like that. You, this is just. Just it was invisible. New, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then. Gosh, that's hard. But that's because hard. then I was also so far away from my family and everything I knew, I remember getting to a point where I was also had like roommates for the first time. Like I was living with girlfriends, which I'd never done because I went straight from living in my parents' house to like my own apartment in New York City. Um, so I decided I wanted to tell you. people. Uh-oh. Like a couple of people and, and see what that was like. How your, was your it? Your roommates. You're starting mm-hmm. with the roommates. Okay. <clears throat> and my best friends. Yes. And it was. Like, it was great because all of a sudden my one best friend was like, I want to go with you to your next infusion. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And then like I was starting to research, you know, this will cure you or this will cure you. So I flew to Dominican Republic or I would go to San Diego or whatever. And my friends were coming with me to those places, which was so nice. I never realized like you could ask for help, like how good that would feel. Yeah, I'm bad at that. Very bad. Yeah. (laughs) Still not bad at it. But the disease in those four years progressed enough where then I remember I had a job. I got this pilot and I went to shoot it. And the entire time people were like, are you limping? What's going on? It was the first time anyone had ever said anything like that to me. And I remember every single night after we finished that shoot, I prayed to God that it would not get picked up. And it was like one of those sure thing things. And then something freaky happened and they didn't pick it up. And I was like, thank you. Wow. Which is terrible. Um, and then I got on another show and I did the sitcom on NBC and I blamed it. I had a chiropractor write that I had a herniated disc, which I did, but that wasn't why I was walking the way I was walking. Totally. Uh, and we do a full season and people are like, is it getting better? Do you need surgery? And I would cry every day after work. I was finally like, I, all I wanted to do was a sitcom, like just know what that schedule and that life was like. And I couldn't enjoy a single moment of it because... Of just the secret I was harboring. I felt shame. I felt guilt. I felt bad about myself. And when in reality, like I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm sure if I had said something to them in hindsight, it would have been the most loving, supportive group. And they would have figured everything out for me. You were ready to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I met my husband during this time. And he was the first person that like really was like forceful in my life of being like, I'm in this with you. Like, I got you. Like, you're not alone. Like, I could always, I saw him in the audience every night. Like, I see, could see, he could see when I was struggling and I would see him like get up and like want to come down to me. Makes me tear up because it's just, I don't think it's like that support wasn't available to me, but I never visible. Yeah. I find, I, I, he, the same husband, whatever. It's such a great mirror of what you think you, don't necessarily want but that you need so badly so bad and it's so i'm so grateful like it's such a cool thing to have that kind of support totally and then i got pregnant by accident 
<laughs> with my oldest. Well, and this is a, this is a, this is sweet and sour. I, I mean, hopefully it's sweet, sweet. But I mean, you said by accident. Doesn't that? Well, I shall let you talk. Well, yeah, it was. There's an so I was in here as well. Yeah. Well, so I was seeing this at. So my new one that was like gonna heal me was like the special chiropractor, but like. He told me I couldn't be on birth control for his medical practices, but later on I found out it was just because he was like super, super religious and like didn't believe in it. <laughs> he didn't believe in it. But I'll just throw it up to like the universe's plan of things of like, because Bo was meant to come into this world, my five-year-old, um, that I wasn't on birth control for the first time in 15 years and I got pregnant. Um, and then that to me was like my like up, oh, see ya, everything. I'm just going to make this baby. Yep. I'm done. Bye bye business. Yes, sure. exactly. And my MS did get a whole lot better when I was pregnant with it him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And during the caring term. And then how, how about after? After, you know, I think it was okay, but I think it was made worse because I definitely had postpartum depression and didn't really know what that meant. I just thought I wasn't a good mom. Um, I was exhausted. I wouldn't ask for help. I didn't hire a nanny or anything because I was like, I'm not working. I'm not going to pay for someone. And that's like my stubbornness. Your mind is, I should be able to do yeah. I should be able to do this. Mad at my MS. I want to be able to do this. Everything. Like, it's like, I'm not going to let MS decide everything for my life. Um, And then... A year after that, my brother suddenly passed away. Oh, gosh. And I'm sorry. I was with him as he died. And it was just like a very important moment in my life because it just shifted my perspective completely. And I remember one of his things was just like, he just couldn't understand why I kept it a secret. And the only person that was really holding me back from telling people was my mom. And... It's, uh, I understand like where she was coming from, but it, it was almost like that significant moment in my life just like really started to make me think. And over the course of the next year, um, my husband and I decided we were finally going to get married and my son was two and a half and he had some understanding of like my limitations and what I could and couldn't do and things like that. But I was just thinking like, as he gets older, what kind of example am I setting by asking him to keep this secret for me. Mm. You know, what am I, you tell your kids, like you can do anything you want and what makes you different is what makes you special. And like everyone deserves an opportunity. Like these are all the things we want to tell our kids to believe about the world, but like I'm not living that. Yeah. So when we were getting married and someone called and like, oh, People Magazine wants to cover your wedding. I called my manager who knew and I told him, I think I actually want to come out about my MS. And he was like, I've been waiting for you to tell me this. And I said, and I want to do it around that because I want it to be around a celebratory moment in my life. Because the truth of the matter is I'm in a happy place in my life. And I, I used to fantasize that I would come out about my MS when I was healed. Right. When I, yeah, I would be too. like running and in high heels and be like, hey, so you all know this is what this I used happened. to deal with. <laughs> and now I'm here. And... I remember my husband saying, like, what good is that story? Like, say it now while you're living it. I just didn't want to be the poster child for MS either. Yes. I totally know what you mean. I didn't want everyone to see me only as having MS. Yeah. All this stuff, you know. So Perception changes. Mm-hmm. 
So I think because of my brother, because of my son, and because of just 16 years of keeping a secret, I was just done. It was causing me more harm than good. Absolutely. Yeah. It's what made me kind of come forward about it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Kudos to that. If I wish we had an audience solely for the applause on oh. Um How has life been since? You know... It's kind of shifted only in this past year, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, in just that, so much of my journey with MS has been what is taken away from me, right. and that's and it's all true. Like I'm not reaching for reasons, you know. It's very apparent what it's done to me and my body and my life. But it's also given me a lot and I feel like I'm choosing to focus on that I think that it's led me down a path of physical mental and spiritual health that I never ever ever would have gone down without it Mm. and I think that it's really connected me to like who I really am and even the things we were talking about of like not caring about the social media and stuff like that I probably would have cared I probably would have been a fucking mess like with that with but it's just really just brought me to a much more present place appreciative place a slower pace Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i'm kind of enjoying it i do i have days sometimes weeks where it's just feels really unfair and it's really a bummer and i'm wish i didn't have it of course. I mean, every day I wish I wouldn't have it. I'm fighting it every day of my life. I mean, I push myself to work out with a trainer three times a week. But I've also wow. done the extreme um, diets and things like that. And I just found, for me personally, it felt like a punishment. And it just felt like I have MS and I have to be gluten, dairy, sugar, everything, everything, <laughs> everything free. Like, what it else? just feels unfair. <laughs> And I found like a true moderation, like lifestyle and like moderate lifestyle. And it's, it's now become like, I don't know. I think I found like my own pattern and I don't know. I I don't take it lightly, but everyone around me is just being like, you're moving better. Even my trainers, like your mobility is so much better. And I think it's because like I'm choosing a different attitude. I'm choosing to be happy. It's a, it's a, it's work to choose it, but I am. And I think that even in my acting, I have, you know, my thing with them when I audition is like, I always say, I'm like, I wish everyone could close their eyes as I walk in the room, watch me do my audition and then close their eyes when I walk out because you need the curtain. Mm -hmm. I just feel so exposed and for years I for sure was not doing good work because I was so worried about the physicality that I was just getting the dialogue out like I wasn't I was not doing good work your own behaviors and everything totally and like when I had the when the iron was hot and I was going in and people wanted to see me for everything kind of sucks because I feel like that's when I was doing my shittiest work and it's almost like now I feel like I'm in the best place, like I, I'm the best actress I've ever been right now. And I feel like I'm all dressed up in the dugout, like waiting for somebody to call me up to the plate and like nobody is. And it's, it's hard, but at the same time, I just feel like I've just got to trust that like the right thing's going to come because like I said, I was very willing to kind of back away, but it is truly what I love. And I just have to believe that there's going to be in this whole idea of like diversity and inclusive, inclusivity yes. and all that, like, 
this is part of that story. I truly yeah. think, and I've had people that have worked with me that shot around it, have incorporated it. Like I, I see how it still can work, which is why I'm options. still trying. Yeah, that yeah, that is seeing the options and where how you can modulate your life to accommodate whatever you're dealing with, whatever yes. it is, yes, is the name of the game. And like, I'm really bad at it. Thankfully, he's not. I as feel bad like at you're it. probably not. We are ve- we can be very resourceful. Do you Ye- find how resourceful you've become, or that you actually are? I I realize how resourceful I can be, and it sometimes goes in weird directions. So like I don't understand my it, most of my stuff's neurological, and that it trickled down into being physically problematic. Mm. So keeping a handle on all the pieces is really where I focus. But being resourceful in both of those ways, it, once I can marry them properly great yeah yeah right sometimes it just sounds like a crazy person talking no not at all no <laughs> but it is what it is yeah finding ways to fit your life you said something similar that reminded me of something that's on my car right here uh you have a remarkably positive attitude and y- you made it sound like that's a choice what do you do <clears throat> to 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 put your smile on i mean you know we I'm assuming you might be similar in that you don't necessarily just wake up with it. It's not automatic because no. you wake up in pain and stress and all the stuff. How, how do you do it? What's your what's You your know, secret? I think I'm able to be positive because when I feel really down, I let myself stay there and I let yeah. myself feel it. Go through it and get over it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't... I don't suck it up. Like, I, I'm not that type of person. I've been that way for so many years, and yeah. it just didn't serve me. It's my opinion <laughs> that that's what gave people like you guys MS. I know that's fundamentally. No. Fake personalities and just, yeah. owning that. My neurologist told me that all his people with MS are perfectionists. Yeah. Like, really? It's, 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 a, it's a trait that, that we all have, and there's just some... I mean, whatever you believe in, but there's whatever lessons there are here. I mean, think of we want to control everything and now we can't even control our own bodies. Yeah. Yeah. At a cellular level. Yes. I, I get pretty heady about it. Yeah. I, my neurologist did not say anything like what your doctors <clears throat> clearly have told you, which is awesome. Um, it changes your perspective on what you can do when you know that you're not dying and you're going to be fine. It's just life looks different. That's all I wish my doctors had told me. Like life's going to look different for a little bit. Yeah. Own I'm, it, embrace it, figure it out. But make it no, your own. Yeah. Make I've also been, I've also gotten like super, super, super dark with it. And like, I'm saying like weeks or months of just being just really in the hole. And seeing that I've come out of it each time and that life still Ooh. showed up and that things did get better. Get stronger each time a little got, bit. Yeah, and I think that because I have that perspective, it's allowed me to be a little bit more positive because even when it co- it comes up again and I'm like, oh, hello, friend. Like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. I, I come out of it quicker and it's easier for me to leave it because I know it'll come back, but I also know it'll go away. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. But again, you're not trying to control it. This is this is the anti-behavior. Yeah. For what you had. Before. No, a surrender. It's a true used. place of surrender that I've I've almost become like to enjoy. Yeah. You can't like, control it. Why I not think go that's along why for the ride? I, and yeah, with my career, with everything, I'm like, 
I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can do what I do. It's gonna be fine. I do my job of it, and it's yeah. It's that's the thing is, in the end of the day, and I I heard you talking about marijuana, and like I say, children are what drew me to marijuana, but also MS. (laughs) But it's like, it's it's my it's my end of the day, like that's my glass of wine, and it, it and it truly like. I love going to the heady places like my husband doesn't because he gets super paranoid but I love going there (laughs) because I'll be sitting there like super quiet and all of a sudden look at him and be like everything's gonna be okay it is everything's gonna be okay and I truly at my core believe that I think that's amazing (laughs) I love you for believing it it's really changing your state's important whatever if it takes something you know if it takes a little help that's fine that's my foundation. I I can fly off the handles plenty of times, but that's my place where I can come back. At least to. you go back there. Like I need to get better about going back there because I know it takes it, work. But it's like yeah, yes, which I'm happy to do. Yeah. I, the more I own the fact that like this is just work. This is a new kind. This is life, and you have to do this every day. That's fine. Yeah. It's it, it's it's, it's a shit. Trippy, it's a but, bummer of a hand, you know, that we can be dealt, but. It is what it is. I, think I you, feel so I think you're both amazing for how you've, I mean, obviously different things, dealing with it different ways, but the fact that you both are dealing with it, both sort of in public too, I, yeah. my hat's off to both of you. I'm not wearing a hat, but I love you both. Totally <laughs> you already took it off. I want to start wrapping it up here, but yeah. I do want to ask Entourage. I loved Entourage. I loved the show from, again, episode one. What was it like to play yourself? So what happened was, you know, they always had like cameos of people all the time. And I had talked to Doug Allen when Sopranos was filming. And he was like, oh, because I was such a huge fan of the show. And he's like, oh, we'd love to get you on. But HBO at the time was like, no, no, no. Like not while Sopranos (laughs) is on. It's like too, too much. Um, So when the show wrapped, I was open and I was supposed to do just one episode. Um, And just a stunt casting thing. Yeah. And he was like, look, you're going to like. You know, do whatever to turtle on a plane. Like, are you down with this? And I'm like, that sounds oh, so ridiculous. Yeah. But like, I'd rather it be outrageous so it doesn't feel mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. like me. You know, and that <laughs> was the point. Cartoony. You're, yeah, exactly. You're playing a cartoon version of yourself. And Jerry and I had such great chemistry um, that I remember Doug being like, "Do you want to come back for another one just for this season?" I'm like, "Sure." Why not? So we did that whole big episode where it was the two of us on like a day date, and we just had so much fun. The chemistry was amazing to watch. It was, and then Jerry and I ended up dating for a year and a half <laughs> after <laughs> after that, that episode. And then Doug said, "Why don't you just come back for next season?" So I was like, "Oh my god, I have a job!" Like <laughs> right after the show, I'm still on HBO. And honestly, I was very worried. As anyone, when you're a part of something iconic. It's a double-edged sword because obviously anyone wants to be part of like some lightning in a bottle situation, which I got to be in, but then everyone sees you as that. So Mm. to be on this same channel and to have a loose reference to it, but like stepping, it was like a good stepping stone away from Meadow. You know what I mean? It was like, I couldn't have asked for a better first gig out, out of the gate. Yeah. And I loved every... Uh, that show was <laughs> as fun to shoot as you would imagine. Oh, like, absolutely. it was as fun to shoot that. as it was to watch. Like, they truly... All the guys loved each other. There was a football being thrown. It was in beautiful locations. There was beautiful girls, beautiful cars. Like, everything was awesome. I had a great job. I had a bunch of friends who worked on that show. You did? They all said the same exact thing. From hair and makeup down to crew guys. It was just like... They all said the same thing. It was just fun. Easy just hours, easy, too. Fun, great. It was like yeah. 10 yeah, hours. hours. I was like, what? We're done? <laughs> <laughs> light out what 
They said that it was just a very, very comfortable chill set. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, I want to talk about what you have coming up before you leave. Mm-hmm. You've got a podcast. You're I doing do. a podcast. What's it called? It's called Mama Said. All right. And it's it's basically, we like to coin it, talk, everything about pretty, from the pretty to the shitty of motherhood. <laughs> because it's all encompassing. You can love your kids and can't stand them at the exact same time. And I think that. Part of the reason why I suffer from postpartum with my first son was because I didn't think that I was able to say honestly what I was feeling. And my co-host Jenna became that person when we had our second kids of like talking things out. Like she was my permission slip to just be honest. Mm. And there was no question or judgment that I didn't love my kids to death. But like it was still so hard. And she was the release. Totally. And just realizing that there were so many other moms like that, we just wanted to create a podcast to just have the really honest conversation, like confess your deepest, darkest mommy sins and realize, you know, you're not alone. And it's been the most fun. We've oh, had so much so fun good. doing it. Do you do it at each other's houses? Do you, no, do you have we have a, a studio okay. that we do it in, but we're trying to learn the equipment so that eventually we can be more mobile because right now we're like stuck to like Friday mornings is like the only time we have our studio. This is a piece of cake. Uh, I mean, can we come like in this? here? This would be great. <laughs> Jenna would love it. Uh, <laughs> but we've just had really cool guests and it's just, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, how many episodes have you done? We've put out. Matter. I'm just curious. We've put out 18 or oh, 19. That's good. So you're well underway. Yes, and we have about 25 in the bank. Oh, so wow. yeah. So this nice. is very cool. So this, is, this is going on for a while. Yeah, we launched in February and we started recording in December. Awesome. Do you like it? Love it. Love it. It's not what I want to. It's not the only thing I want to do. Thing, but it's it's my thing. it's my it comes easy in the sense of like. The timing of the show, like I'm kind of steer the ship, and Jenna, like, will just so talk, and I'm kind of. You're natural at this. Oh, I thanks. Do much. Oh, well, thanks. But it, it is a job as a host to like let your guests talk, but also like steer Random. and and like yeah, and like understand timing and segments and things like that. So that's I'm learning that, but it's it's been fun. Yeah. Um, but it's just like it's a piece. It's like one of those things where like could I just do this and go with it? Sure, but there's. Even when I'm, like I said, when I'm sitting on the floor with my kids and I'm like, there's another huge part of me that's still missing. Like, right. it's, it's but actor. this is a new part that I... It's another enjoy. layer. Yeah. It's just a layer. Yeah. yeah. It's just still without my kids, though. You yeah. know? I mean, like, everything can't be about my kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. And you're on the social media, of course, right? I am. Let me do an Instagram story while you're talking. Great. I'm on the social media. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm that guy. I'm an old guy. <laughs> what do you like for the social media? Instagram, really? In- I'm all Instagram. Yeah. 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 I don't do Twitter much. I mean, I feel like if you went to my Twitter feed, you'd be like, she's, where is she? I deleted She's my- been gone for two years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. I'm just on Instagram. I love it. Uh, how do you feel? How was this? This was great. You enjoyed it? I enjoyed it so much. You've got great vibes in here. I love this set. It's so cool. Thank you. So cool. Well, like I said to you 15 times already, it means the world to us that Mm. you came over today. Um, And to have this conversation with with you um, is something we've been looking forward to for a long time. Me too. So thank you for allowing it to happen. Uh, Mrs. Ryan, what do we have coming up? Oh, okay. All right. This is good. Let's see. Tomorrow we've got Breakfast Club. 9 a.m. up at Newcomb's Ranch. Come on up if you feel like it. Saturday, we're going to be at Cars and Coffee Manhattan Beach. Saturday from 8 to 10 a.m. And then on Sunday, we're going to be at Cars and Coffee Los Angeles 
from 7 to 9 a.m. And all that stuff's on the social media busy as well. Weekend. Social media, social yeah, media. Go look at the social media. To do. We, no rest for the weary, man. I love it. Uh, and then we're going to be dark next week for the holiday week. So that'll be nice. So it's kind of like we're doing all this stuff the weekend and then we'll take Smart. a little bit of downtime and spend some time out at the pool and relax Mrs. Ryan everything else yeah <laughs> uh that's it we're done we're done you good i'm good i love you so much mrs ryan we love, love you, you so much Jamie Lynn i Siegler. love you Thank guys you very, very much. best we love everybody at home please love one another have a great weekend mm. and we'll see you out there <laughs>